Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside DLU, and we turn our attention on our Big 12 tour to our final stop, and that's for the KU Jayhawks. Uh, we bring in our KU insider, Austin Swisher, uh, to preview what KU uh, will bring to the table here in 2019 in the first year of uh, Les Miles at the helm. Uh, Dilo, what do we think here of this Jayhawks team? And, of course, with uh, Les Miles coming in, uh, some some change of scenery there at the helm there. Do you think that's going to provide much of a difference there for KU? Oh, not this year, I don't think. I think KU's going to be pretty bad. Uh, this like, season, like, dude, <coughs> bad, bad. <coughs> That's right. Um, excuse me, but no. In in looking at uh, KU's schedule, I, I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of games they can circle and say this is one that uh, we think we're gonna win. We feel really great about. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's some talent. I mean, they have some pieces, but they've always had some pieces. Um, problem is, is that it's just not across the board enough. I mean, obviously, uh, Puka Williams is a good talent. Um, yeah, heck of a player. No and question. So, uh, there's there's several pieces like him on this team. Nobody quite as good as he is, I don't think. No. Or certainly not with as much fanfare. But um, they do. I do feel pretty good about what they are uh, have at running back. Uh, Dom Williams, Khalil Herbert. Puka Williams. Yeah. You know, they, they have some experience there at the running back position. Uh, you know, and But they've, they've had good running backs for uh, times throughout this uh, sure. this decade where they've really struggled to translate that into, you know, wins throughout the season. Um, and so it's the running back in – well, particularly the running back hasn't really been the issue for – KU. No, sure. It's, it's been primarily quarterback, quarterback yeah. and uh, just subpar defense kind of across the board, um, with the ex- with notable exceptions last year with Wise and Deneen, but those guys are gone. And so I look at KU's roster and depth chart this year, and I uh, I'm not impressed. If if Less is able to do more. To do more with less, uh, then I'll be pretty surprised this year. I mean, we'll wait to, um, you know, really project until after we get a chance to talk to our insider. But, um, you know, on on the surface, KU's not scaring anybody with this roster, even if they do have uh, a new guy calling the shots. Sure, and I'm gonna, you know, kind of get your thoughts here on this before we get into. Uh our uh, conversation with Austin, but w- let's let's talk about uh, the Les Miles hire. Obviously, with um, with that name, it brings a little bit of a cachet uh, to uh, to the program. Something that they you know needed a bit of in terms of just a shot of adrenaline into the program, and, and with that name recognition, you get that. Um, Really, when you look at it, this guy—he had been out of coaching, I believe. Uh, he got fired midway through 2016, so out of the game for two full years, pretty well. Right. What? What? I guess initially, do you make of the fit there for KU and Les Miles? Well, I think it's a smart hire. I mean, for towards the end of the Beatty tenure, I 
started thinking to myself, well, what's a good KU hire going to look like? I mean, what can they realistically hope to achieve? And I settled on uh, two viable candidate profiles, okay? Mm -hmm. The first is you find, you roll the dice on some young unknown, uh, really not too much unlike Beatty, where it's, you know... A shot in the dark. A shot in the dark, and then you pray to God that he's the same kind of... Uh, same type of character that K-State got with Snyder and that it's just some really kind of bizarre guy who just, for whatever reason, wants to stay in Lawrence for the long haul. Because I don't know if it would do KU very many favors for a guy to come in when, you know, let's say 10 games his first two years and then bail. Because if a guy came in and won... 10 games over the next two years, he's going to be getting offers elsewhere. Oh, because sure. That, yeah, that's as an up-and-comer, of course. And so you hope that you land some smart sadomasochist who wants to be in this for the long haul. That's a $5 word that's right there. Right. Um, but, and then the other profile, and, and by the way, that first guy, super risky because maybe he's the next Bill Snyder, but he's... Almost certainly not. Most likely not, yeah. And in reality, you're going to end up with a dud. But uh, the second candidate profile, I said, I, I thought they need to get a uh, a coach who's established but disgraced. And in my mind's eye, I was thinking somebody like Bo Pelini, yep. who who knows how to coach a Power Five program and could get you to at least competent. And for whatever reason, nobody else wants him. And I think Bo Pelini fit that profile pretty well. That's that's who my candidate was that I thought would make sense for him. Um, another name. Uh, who is that guy? Oh, I also liked uh, Kale or not Kale? Yeah, Kale Gundy. Kale Gundy. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, I liked him a lot too. And um, he he'd be more of an up and comer because it'd be his first head coaching job, but. Obviously, plenty of experience. Yeah, I thought you know. I thought that might be a good way to split the baby there. Um, but Les Miles fits into the into the uh, latter category, the the, escape, the disgraced, legitimate guy. Even though he's not really disgraced, yeah, sure, but he's just, just uh, beyond uh, his prime, yeah, and uh, kind of ended on a sour note in uh, Baton Rouge. But I think it, I think it makes sense. I mean, that's a guy we've already seen. He's done a good job on the recruiting trail. I mean, yeah, I think and whether he holds on to those guys, it's that remains to be seen. But you can't criticize him for what he's done on the recruiting trail so far. So if he just sees marginal improvement over these next two or three years, which frankly will be easy to do, especially if you have a start putting together a balanced roster, um, just because the floor is so sure. low, yeah. then that's all he really needs to do. Yeah, I mean, just get just inject some talent into this program, and then and leave it leave it in a better place than you found it. Exactly. And I think that that's that's easy if you're a good recruiter. He the what he what he can't do, and this is what the cycle that we've seen is what he can't do uh, is be losing if he goes out and loses ten games this year. And loses nine or ten next year, and then load up on the Juco. He and he, he cannot do that, and that's and I don't wouldn't expect him to just because. Yeah, yeah. What does he care? Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be here for. 
Yeah, well, he's not going to get fired. I, I don't think unless things really go south. Well, and if but, he does get fired, who cares? He's rich, and yeah. it's not like he it, needs his life doesn't depend on it. Yeah, and so, so in that respect, I think it's I think it's a pretty smart hire, even if he has lost it, even if he goes out and we learn, oh, he's uh, he's not a good football coach anymore. Because what he, what I think he can do, I think he can put together a program, um, at least better than uh, a lot of the other candidates that were available to KU. And so, all that said, I don't know if it'll translate to wins on the field, but I think for the health of the program, it's it's gonna be beneficial. Okay. Yeah, I think we actually pretty well agree on that. Um, I would have liked to see him probably take a um, would have liked to see him take a little bit of a risk on a guy, you know, not maybe so much that fits the profile as a, you know, position coach at a university, but go out and hire a, a coordinator and pay him oh and over and just overpay. Yeah, it's easy to say. But yeah, it's easy to say, but I and I and I don't get I don't have any issue with you know like what you said of course with. The, the two camps. I think those are the two the two profiles that most coaches fall into when you're looking to hire somebody well, at most times. The problem with going out and hiring a coordinator is that even if you're going to pay them, let's say, three and a half or four, which I don't, I'd be surprised if KU was going to pony up in the range of five, um, just because they've been burned so many times. But even so, Let's say you pay him an exorbitant salary. What coordinator with any further aspirations is going to take that job? Because yeah, all they, that's always that's always a question. And that that's and, that. and the problem is is that it's just been a graveyard. I mean, at least until now, is that it's effectively K State in 1989 that you that you go to KU maybe for a payday in the short term. Although, sheesh, I mean, when Beatty took over, he was making what less than eight hundred a year. And so that yeah, that wasn't, wasn't the recipe. Wasn't much. And and now and then you go to KU and you sputter out and your head coaching career prospects are basically shot after that because then you're Turner Gill and you're you could go coach at Liberty, I guess. But it's for somebody with career aspirations of head coaching at a respectable mid-level or above Power 5 program, can use a horrible job to take, at least coming into this year, because you're really set up for a lot of failure. I mean, even if... I don't know. It's it's a, it's a very tough job, and in that respect, I think that it's going to be very hard to entice uh, an ambitious coach to take it. So you would say that, all things considered, KU did very well here? I think... Yeah, on the face of it, when they were hired, when he was hired at the time, I kind of reacted like everybody else, like, oh, this reeks of desperation. Nobody else would touch this guy. But KU isn't like any other Power 5 program right now, with the exception of maybe like Oregon State. Or, you know, I'm sure there are other examples. But they are so far below almost every other Power 5 team that, that they have to do it a little differently in this position. And and I think Les Miles, if he can go out and just recruit, you know, high schoolers and recruit 
decent high schoolers, which he's done so far, then I think that it makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, it will definitely be interesting to see what takes place uh, in Lawrence under Les Miles year one and beyond. Uh, As we mentioned, we have Austin Swisher, our KU insider, uh, here to share his thoughts on the program as well as what uh, you can expect from KU here in 2019. Take a listen. All right, we are up next with Austin Swisher. He is our KU insider here at the Short Side Option Podcast. And uh, Austin, we say hello to you uh, here as we are uh, less than uh, 10 days away from the uh, start of college football season uh, as we come to you on a Tuesday night here, uh, week zero here, just right around the corner. Uh, by the time this thing gets reported, we'll be, uh, we'll be right at uh, eight days uh, from the first game of the season for KU as they take on Indiana State. Uh, let's go ahead and just kind of get started. Obviously, the big story is Les Miles uh, taking over for uh, David Beatty uh, at KU. Obviously, uh, a, a kind of a splash hire here for KU as they go out and get a coach who has uh, you know, won a national championship at LSU and uh, bring some credibility uh, you know, to, to that position. Talk a little bit about how uh, KU fans have uh, received Les Miles in his first uh, eight to nine months on the job there uh, in Lawrence. Sure thing. Yeah, you know, uh, Chris, I'd, I'd say it's been an overall net positive. Um, there's there's obviously different contingencies of the fan base, and if, if you've watched the the quality of football I have over the past ten years, you can you can understand that you know there's a large portion of of the group that says. Uh, you know, we're just disengaged completely and, and have, have exited Memorial Stadium, have, have stopped really paying attention to the program. And I think with that, you kind of lose insight into college football as a whole. Um, but I think uh, a name like Les Miles, even to your most average fan, um, is, is a name that's familiar. And, and I definitely think it, it, it was well received for the most part. Um, you know, there, there's certainly the, the the group out there that says, "Oh, this is another Charlie Weiss play," or um, you know, "Wake me, wake me when we when we start winning again." And and I can certainly understand that. But this has a different feel. You know, the 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 vibe that I've gotten not only from from inside the uh, you know inside the the, t- the team rooms and and what's being reported out is uh, there, there's a there's a different almost a, a confidence, if you will, something that, that KU, the program for the most part, is, has really lacked, um, you know, since the two, 2009-2010 era. So it's it's a breath of fresh air. It's good to see someone, uh, an established football coach, uh, some veteran, um, some veteran leadership taking the helm, and uh, whether that translates to to, to wins and, and, and future success, that's, that's left, uh, that's left to be determined, but, uh, definitely could have been a lot worse. And, you know, we can argue the, the merits of whether Les was maybe the best choice on the board, um, you know, of, of coaches we were considering, but, but certainly the most notable out of, out of the ones that I, I was, um, at least in tune to, but, but yeah, overall net positive and, and looking forward to seeing what, what the Mad Hatter can, can do in Lawrence. Yeah, I think a lot of people are uh, interested in seeing uh, just that. And outside of the uh, Les Miles fanfare, getting into the Jimmy, Jimmy's and Joes of it all, I think one of the most interesting uh, storylines for this KU team coming into 2019 is uh, trying to handicap the quarterback race. Um, 
you know, most people say it's a uh, a two man uh, a two man race at this point, but uh, and those two being uh, McVitie and Carl Stanley. Uh, is it Carter? Carter Stanley, not his brother Carl Stanley. <laughs> not his brother. <laughs> yeah, no, Carter Stanley. Uh, McVitie and uh, Stanley. Uh, but then you got a few other guys, uh, notably Miles Kendrick, who saw some action last year. Um, how do you see this quarterback race shaping up, and who do you uh, see uh, starting under center against Indiana State? Well, in Lawrence, Kansas, we are we are uh, no stranger to the quarterback controversy. That that seems to be the the main storyline going into just about every season, which um, is is sometimes tough to swallow as a fan. But the inter- the most interesting thing I've heard, and and I think for most of spring and, and, and really most of the fall has been exactly what you said, uh, two-man race between Carter Stanley and, and Thomas McVitie. Now, I did hear an interesting tidbit that I will pass along. All right. Uh, S. Miles dropped in his press conference kind of a cryptic note that says, you know, maybe our, our best quarterback hasn't really got the system quite yet, and, and there might be people who are less talented who are kind of performing better um, up to date, but given some time, if that one and he didn't specify, but that single quarterback might be the uh, might be the guy going forward. And from what I've gathered, is Thomas McVitie is their guy. They they want him to win that job. They obviously brought him in. He was their signee. But I have heard he is not the front man, and I've even heard some people say he's not even QB two at this point. Um, I have actually heard a lot of positive press about the coach's son, my uh, Manny Miles coming in and making some noise. But if I had to handicap it right now, I think you're going to see a Carter Stanley start to the season, something he hasn't been able to do since he's he's been at Lawrence. He hasn't gotten the chance to be a uh, build some confidence in some non-conference games. He's been always thrown into the Big 12 race. But I would say I think Carter Stanley, if I had to bet on it today, is going to be your starter week one. But I don't think he'll finish the season. I think you're going to see plenty of Thomas McVitie and uh, and, and potentially a, a few others uh, as the season progresses. Well, as we as we look kind of at uh, you know the quarterback race as we have, um, I'm not sure exactly what to make of what KU wants to do offensively. Uh, of course, there was uh, the Offensive coordinator, Drew, maybe you can help me out because the name's escaping me now, that uh, that Les Miles originally brought in to um, to Lawrence uh, that that ended up taking the head coaching job at Troy after that, uh, Chip Lindsey. There, yeah, I, I, Chip Lindsey. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I've heard kind of a little bit of that KU might go more to – a little bit more of what Les Miles was doing at LSU, a little bit more focus on the run game, uh, not necessarily kind of going with the uh, with the uh, the no huddle uh, kind of air raid type stuff that uh, David Beatty was doing um, at KU. In terms of philosophy with with what KU is going to be looking to do offensively, I guess what would be closer maybe to to an accurate uh, representation. Maybe more of a, uh, a run-heavy offense with with what Les Miles was most notably known for at LSU. Uh, you know, more some more principles of the air raid, or you know, maybe someplace in between that. I, I think this is another uh, another question, Chris, that I I cannot wait to see unfold throughout the season. 
Um, this has been a topic that the coaching staff has kept extremely tight-lipped. They've almost shrouded it in secrecy uh, as to what exactly we're going to see. And even during the Big 12 media days, um, all we really got out of the guys was it's a surprise. It's a surprise. We're going to see some things that that you haven't seen in a long time in Lawrence. And, um, you know, Les did give a give a little bit of a uh, of a hint. Uh, another reporter had asked um, him to something to the effect of, you know, can we expect to see um, some some huddles and some some snaps under center and um, you know some fullback usage and and Les did did say absolutely yeah and and I was thinking back I think the last time I, I saw a KU quarterback take a ball under center was was in the Charlie Weiss era uh, when he ran a little bit of that pro style but I think this is going to be a different offense and um, if if I had to kind of guess based on what I can piece together. Uh, I think you're going to see uh, a very much an RPO system. They brought in a, a guy by the name of Brent Deerman, who I got to be honest, I, I had never heard of before. Um, he he got involved, but he is kind of uh, looked at as an authority of the RPO. Does a lot of conferences and um, does a lot of seminars on on the offense. He's he's very creative. He actually was a head coach for his alma mater, Bethel University. That's right. I was trying to remember what his story was when you brought that up. Yeah, he's he's deemed some kind of a guru who's been living in a lab down at, at Bethel University. You know, and 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 that's exactly it. Is he's just kind of surfaced, and and the more I kind of kind of learn about about him and and his system, I, I think it's going to be a um, a very neat experiment. Uh, experiment. Um, and, and I will add to, and here's the other thing that um, that I have been able to gather, and, and there's been a few recruiting interviews that, you know, you know uh, people wrap up their visits, they, they come in and they tell you, you know, why why they were impressed or what they liked about the program. And, and there's been more than one recruit who has claimed to have had a, um, um, you know, at least have some sort of impression that, that we're going to be a, a run-heavy offense and you know, we're going to we're going to kind of play that old school football that you really haven't seen in the Big 12. Um, so it, it'll it'll be very interesting to see how this all unfolds and um, ultimately what we see on on Saturdays this fall. But I don't think it, it takes too much of an expert to, to realize that, uh, you know, the KU running backs this year are probably going to be one of our strengths. And uh, I was thinking about this today as well for the first time. In a long time, I think we're going to have not only continuity, but experience and, dare I say, depth on the offensive line as well. So it could lead to uh, maybe a little bit more success on the ground than we've seen before. And and ultimately, to, to kind of take a, a page out of the, the Kansas State playbook is, hey, let's let's slow the game down and 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 see what we can what we can do by controlling the ball and maybe uh, limiting some possessions from the other side. I'd watching, you know, last year and, and even in prior years, um, and, and people probably will laugh when I say this, but but I don't think the KU defense has really been been the issue. I, I think the issue is in a conference like the Big 12, you give people, you know, four, five, six drives a quarter sometimes, sometimes more. Uh, you can hold them all you want, but they're bound to score, and they're, and it's, it's hard to keep people out of the end zone. So um, I think by slowing the game down a little bit, um, might might keep us in some games that, that maybe otherwise we wouldn't have been in.
Well, that stands to reason with me, especially with programs uh, like K-State and KU. I'll kind of lump those together in, in for what I'm about to say, where they're playing at a relative talent disadvantage most of their games. That It always seems to me to make more sense just to not – stretch the game out if there's a statistical if there's some kind of an anomaly uh that you're really hoping for if you're playing at a talent deficit you want that game to end and don't want to uh give the law of averages a chance to uh you know find regression anywhere so that that always makes sense to me um and you're talking about the defense uh obviously uh KU lost some legitimate talent uh in the offseason with uh, two really good players, Daniel Wise and Joe Deneen. Um What do we expect defensively uh, for DJ Elliott, the new defensive coordinator, um, who's had uh, some experience in uh, coordinating Power 5 defenses? This is another one that's that's going to be a, a pretty big shakeup from what we've seen from the, the Clint Bowen defenses of old. Um, from what I've gathered, it's, it's going to be a 3-4 set. With a uh, with a position they're actually referring to as as the hawk, and he is going to be a um, kind of a stand up rush end. It's going to be kind of an inside or an outside linebacker um, playing on. He'll he'll put his hand on the ground and and play up on on the D line, or he'll he'll fade back. Um, another position that they are going to leverage is is um, kind of a jack position as well. And all uh, all signs point to Bryce Tornaden there who. Um, you know, is arguably probably the best, one of the best defenders that we're going to have coming back for his senior year. Uh, and, and he's going to play more of a uh, kind of a traditional strong safety, kind of playing more off the run and 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 gap assignment. So, I, I think um, the the defense is is definitely going to have a have a have a new look. But the um, the strength definitely coming back is is our is our defensive backs. You know, with Mike Lee and Bryce Tornaden, as I already mentioned, uh, two seniors. I, I think the, the corners have, have come a long way. Um, you know, they had a lot of success early last year forcing uh, for forcing turnovers, obviously, as Big 12 play advanced and, and the quality of play went up. Those, those numbers slowed down a little bit. But um, uh, that front seven was was definitely the um, the biggest question mark or, or the front six, however you want to lump them together through there was, was definitely the, the biggest question mark going into the season. Uh, but there has been some, some positive news coming out of camp that, that maybe we're going to surprise some people and, and at least play a little bit better uh, in the trenches and, and with the linebacker. And another name that, that has surfaced a lot and, and K-State fans will be familiar with this is, is Gavin Potter, kind of that last minute uh, recruiting flip. Um, and, and actually, the last two uh, media days, his name is, has been um, called out called out both times as someone who, you know, is definitely still still learning, but is improving greatly, and and could potentially um, be a, a a big contributor for KU um, this year and 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 hopefully beyond. So the the defense um, will it be as good as last year? Very much. Yet to be seen. Uh, obviously, you can't replace guys like Joe Deneen and Daniel Wise, Daniel Weiss, but um, I, I think it's a definitely a next man up mentality, and anxious to see maybe what a fresh perspective with with DJ Elliott is, is going to look like. Well, and for our listeners, uh, uh, just to catch them up on the 
the reference to Gavin Potter, you you might remember him as the young man who pulled the recruiting stunt where, what was it, a, K, K, a Texas Tech sweatshirt, Texas, and then a K-State sweatshirt, good, yeah, and, then a, and then a, took both of them off, went bare-chested, and had K-U Rock Chalk or KU or something like that painted on his chest. So, persona <laughs> non grata. <laughs> He, he definitely like, uh, I for that that's, that's true. So he, he's got a couple Big 12 towns to uh, watch himself in. But uh, I was I actually was reading some of Les Miles press conference notes today and uh, saw the reference that you made um, where he said that uh, Gavin Potter is a guy that you're going to be very familiar with maybe sooner rather than later. Very much okay. so, and, and and I'm I'm with you. I I I think he's going to be probably pretty well remembered in 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 Lubbock and Manhattan. But um, it's uh, you know he's a, he's a guy. I want to say he was Oklahoma Player of the Year, and and definitely had some recruiting clout behind him. And though I'm not exactly what went into kind of the last minute flips, I know there was a, a pretty close race for him uh, between a couple schools, even beyond KU, K State, and, and Texas Tech, but. Uh, I think as as a KU fans, we're we're pretty glad that that we've got the the help, especially at a position like linebacker where we are really really thin. Well, uh, we're here with Austin Swisher, our KU insider, and uh, now we're going to go in to uh, you know our most notable segment here on the short side option as we go through these Big Twelve previews, and that's three and out. Uh, so uh, Swish, we're going to just run through this here real quick, and uh, we'll uh, I'll ask you three questions and uh, come. Come with what uh, first comes to mind for you uh, here as we uh, as we wrap this up on our on our KU preview here. Um, Les Miles obviously t- taking over at uh, KU. How long will Les Miles uh, be the head coach at the University of Kansas? Chris, I'm I'm gonna go uh, I'm gonna go uh, five years. I, I think he's gonna give us five solid years. I think that's just about long enough to get the uh, uh, recruiting under control. Um, primarily with with the scholarship situation, I, I I check the numbers twice every day to make sure I, I'm not missing anything. But if you look at our 2020 commitment list, we don't have a single JUCO player. Which I, I think if if he can stick to that formula, everything I've gathered is he's got a plan. Uh, he's done this before, and and I think he's going to stick to it. And and man, I I hope so because uh, I I think in in four or five years, even if Les wants to hang it up. He'll hopefully be leaving the program in a lot better shape than um, than than he than he picked it up in, and and if not, I just I just left a, a soundbite that'll live in infamy. So, <laughs> well, we uh, we'll we'll see that, but we'll we'll write you down for for five at this point in time. Uh, next question, Kate. I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank here. Ku goes to a bowl game in what year? I'm going to say 2021. Okay. So that'd be year three for less at KU. Yeah, so I, it'll, it'll have them six wins or, or better in three years. I, I, I think so. I think with this, with this recruiting class that, that 2020, um, I think by the time those guys are have been in the program a, a, a year, and, and he's got some help behind him and, and maybe some of the guys who are on the team this year. Uh, I, I think by 2021, they're, they're going to have, have enough to, uh, to get that, that 
coveted bowl eligibility. Okay, and the final question uh, for you uh, here as we wrap up uh, the KU preview here on the short side option is uh, KU's over-under season win total is set at three games. Uh, what side uh, of that would you come down on? Oh, that's that's tough, Chris, because um, mm, I, I would say if, if, if I was a betting man, um, I, I would take – I would take the over, um, just because I, 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 I don't know if I could call myself a KU fan if I, if I, if I bet against the team, team Chris. I, I think there's enough uncertainty out there. I think if they can get two wins right off the bat, um, you know, that, that third win is, it might be a little bit elusive, um, but but man, you, you think if if uh, with as much uncertainty as there is in the Big 12, um, you know we played enough semi-close games last year that that who knows maybe we can jump up and and surprise uh, one or one or two more teams. So um, my, my my gut would tell me to take the over on a, on a three-win season this year. Um, but okay. yeah, well that, that, that's a tough one. That's that's a tough two and a half. I definitely take the over three and a half. I, I'd, I'd probably take the under, so. Yeah, uh, with, with the being at three, if you think you're going to start out two and oh, you, all you need to get is one more, and you're getting your money back, if nothing else. And then sure, uh, sure. the rest of it is, is all just kind of a little bit of a free roll there. So, uh, all right, well, Swish, that covers uh, our questions here for you. Thank you again uh, for coming on with us here on the short side option. Uh, that's Austin Swisher, our KU insider, uh, getting us all squared away with all things uh, KU concerned. Uh, Swish, thanks again for making some time for us, and uh, we'll be sure to keep in touch uh, throughout the season. Absolutely, Icon Delia. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right, that was Austin Swisher, our KU Insider. Uh, thank you so much to Swish for joining us, and uh, I'd say pretty high on KU. Yeah. Having, having them go over three wins at uh, getting to four, seeing a bowl game in three years uh, for the Jayhawks. Uh you know, certainly will be interesting, as we mentioned in, in our opener here, that uh, infusing the program with enough talent makes that possible here in three years if, if things go well on the recruiting trail for KU. Yeah, I think uh, he's pretty bullish on the uh, Les Miles tenure and certainly uh, thinks that they'll see returns here relatively quickly. What do you, what, what's, your, uh, what's your view on the 2019 uh, season for the uh, for the Jayhawks. Well, it looks it looks like they can get off to a decent start. Is what I should say. Now the like, the early schedule is what you would call favorable, but is it exactly? Because folks, KU opens up with Indiana State uh, at home uh, in Lawrence. Now you think, oh, well, that's put that one in the win column. Well, uh, KU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Indiana State. No Puka Williams for this game, folks. You have to remember that. Many uh, people are forgetting that. It's easy to. Long offseason happens. But here on the short side option, our listeners will not forget that. And uh, Puka Williams on the sideline for the first game against Indiana State. Three-and-a-half points. Our, our friends in the desert see that game as pretty well a toss-up. So, well, it's a new system. It yeah, there's a lot. Well, of it can very a lot well of be unknown. a new quarterback if if uh, and Indiana State is is no by no stretch a 
a great FCS program. However, uh, however, they do have a transfer running back. Would you like to share some some details about this guy? This guy transferred. This guy's just not some JUCO transfer. He's not some transfer from another D two or something. This guy came from Toledo. Okay, the Rockets. Yeah, he played in the Glass Bowl. That's right. He, I'll have you know, he got some carries last year against VMI. You've done some research on this. I guy. have. I can't remember his name at the moment, but well, I remember I, I checked out those details. I checked out this guy earlier this week, and that's you're that's some, nothing to shake a stick at. You're, they have they have FBS talent on this team. Okay, well that's and and as, as I'm thinking about it, at a high school, this particular running back whose name I escapes me at the moment, but he had an offer from Alabama at a high school. Wow. So he says. So he says. Yeah. I I think I had an offer too. No. Alabama passed on me, but um, you know I was. Getting... I think it was a preferred walk-on spot. They didn't quite specify yeah, that uh, necessarily I... to me, but I I assume it was full ride. But you never know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ambiguity in recruiting these days. Cincinnati liked my film a lot, but and they offered me too, actually. Well, they uh, maybe you should have gone back to Cincinnati, huh? Yeah, that's true. Huh? Well, so this Indiana State game is not not one that you can just put in the uh, win column necessarily haphazardly, but you know what? Let's go ahead and give that one to them. Okay, start out one and zero. They welcome Coastal Carolina. Puka Williams back into the lineup in that game. We'll say KU starts two and zero. I think the Coastal Carolina is a safer game than uh, Indiana State. Um. So, um. With that being said. Let's say KU. Are you in agreement with me to start two and zero? I think there's probably a likelihood that that's the case. I, I think that it's maybe like a sixty-five, seventy percent chance that they start out two and zero. But but I think it's likely that they do. They go on the road now to uh, Chestnut Hill, take on Boston College. I believe on a Friday night, I believe, um, and. When you look at what they, um, what Boston College does, physical team, uh, AJ Dillon, very good uh, player there for for the Eagles. Um, when you look at that one, it's tough to see KU winning that one. Yeah, I, I'm not terribly confident in the Jayhawks uh, getting out of uh, escaping Boston College with W, just because from. What I expect, I think KU is going to try to do a lot of the same things that Boston College uh, does this year, and I think Boston College is just probably better at it um, at this point. Okay, so I think we're in agreement, two and one. Yes. Now I'm not going to go down to every game here for KU, but I'm going to give you a question here, uh, D. Louis. In order of most likely to least likely. What are the most likely games that KU wins come conference play? Um, there's two that really stick out to me, where I think that there's a there's a good chance they could win one of these two. I think um, they host West Virginia on September 21st. Mm-hmm. We agree on that one. And I also think the Sunflower Showdown, when they host K-State in November, um, I think that's probably their next most likely win. Um, They also host Tech. And 
I think that those are the three that I would give them the best shot at winning. They they host Baylor uh, on the last game of the season, and I think that I I don't see that quite as likely as the other three, particularly uh, West Virginia and K State at home. But I think that their two most likely uh, Ws uh, are at least in conference play are when they host West Virginia and K State. We agree again. Yeah. I think we have the same three games. So you say they're most likely is West Virginia, second most likely K-State, third, do you went with Baylor? Third, yeah, Texas Tech and Baylor. Texas, I, swap either one. I think the West Virginia game and the K-State game, if I was handicapping those now, I think it's probably safe to say that uh, each of those games will be um, a spread of... Ten or less, um, but no. What was no? What was that? I think if I was handicapping those games right now, I'd say that that uh, KU would be probably a dog of less than ten or uh, less than ten against West Virginia in K State. Yeah, yeah. I think that's uh, it's in the ballpark in the neighborhood, yeah, sure. and I think that those are probably going to be their two. Lowest and it's tough. To, there's unknown, of course. Sure, West I'm just saying right now. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's fair to say. I would. That's where I would project those. Um, and in every other game, I'd expect them to probably be more than ten yeah. point dogs. No, I I have no no issue with that either. So we're 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 green way too much on this one. Yeah, well, it's because we're both we both are such sports fanatics. Gosh, we are, aren't we? Yeah. You know, when you think about, it, we kind of are, but. Well, Dilu, I don't have a whole lot else for you here. We both think KU, and I guess I shouldn't put words in your mouth because I'm going to ask you this right now. Do you think we you will see a more improved KU team this year than you saw last year? Because last year, I mean, they were playing hard to the end for, for David Beatty. They, uh, I mean, really, honestly, if you want to be truthful about it, they should have beat K-State last year. No. That game was never in doubt. And it should have beat us. Um, they also were right there with Texas, losing there by seven. Also, played OU as, as tough as you could. I mean, losing in a shootout, 55-40. to 40, They always uh, played TCU tight, and they, they were able to, uh, to pull out a win there in that one, believe it or not. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't remember that game exactly, KU, I believe, had a nice little comeback in that game, too. So, if you forgot that KU, you know, beat TCU, now you remember. So when you look at it, they were somewhat competitive, in they were competitive against some of the better teams in the conference well, with, with and, Texas and, and Oklahoma. And to go a step further, I mean, I think it's fair to say that they legitimately took a step forward last year, because I'm not sure the 2017 Jayhawks go out and win. Uh, at Central Michigan by three scores. I'm not sure that the 2017 squad goes out there and beats Rutgers by 40 at home. I mean, yeah. and now granted, I don't think those teams aren't much to write home about, but they're FBS teams. Rutgers is a Power 5 team. And, uh, you know, KU not only held their own against them, but beat the pants off them. Now granted, that was due to some... Um, Turnover anomalies in the. I think their turnover margin after those yeah. after non-con was like plus eight or something. Mm-hmm. But 
Um, this year, regardlessly, I think that uh, that that team was considerably better than the team in 2017. And uh, so it's hard to say that you're going to see a bigger leap forward for KU this year. I bet against that just because obviously losing the guys on defense is rough, even if they are getting a, a more experienced uh, Puka Williams back there and Carter Stanley if he's is indeed going to be the guy. But, um, no, so to answer your question, I think it's unlikely that we see a, a bigger step forward for KU okay. than we saw last year just because um, – I think we saw considerable improvement um, Hard in to argue 2018 over 2017 for KU. Hard to argue with that. I, I agree. I agree. So, I guess if I had to ask you where these are unofficial, but uh, the win total at three, I think that's about right where it should be probably. I got to say, I I wouldn't really touch that. Um, if they can... If they lose one of the first two... If they lose one of the first two, you can you probably feel, feel write them off. Uh, I wouldn't say write them off, but you'd, well, feel, you'd feel pretty good. Yeah, if they lose one of the first two, then you're really banking on them having to at least beat K-State or West Virginia at home and then uh, go out there and find a way to steal one from one of the other teams. Yeah. Um, I mean, when's the last time KU won two conference games? Whew. Is it all the way back in... Has been since 2014. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be surprised. I don't know that it's happened since 2000. Uh, since Todd Reesing was shooting up for him. Hard to hard to. Is Todd Reesing the last KU quarterback to have won two conference games in a season? And they might have only just won two. Well, yeah, because they ended. They the started season. out five and zero, oh, and then yeah. lost their final seven. Wow. So, no, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Well, I, uh, if unofficially, what do you have, Matt? I'll, I'll say three is probably the right number for him. Um, so if if you are the betting type, then might not be a bad one to do because I think three's probably where they end up, and maybe they steal one from somewhere else. But in my opinion, if they lose to Indiana State or or Coastal, then uh, you might. If it were me, I'd probably go ahead and tear up that ticket. But uh, I think that if they can win those first two games, then sets you got Sets up decently in terms of just being able to get one more. You're feeling pretty good about yourself. At least getting your money back. Yeah. Well, folks, DeLuia and I agree again. I think 39 for KU. Um, first, go to start off 2-0. They pick one out uh, someplace else. I think we're... Once again, in lockstep here. So, well, folks, deal. With, I mean, I guess anything else you want to say here on KU? I don't want to don't want to cut you off. If you have any further thoughts here? No, I just wanted. Um. No, I just want to say that I don't think uh, that I hope KU uh, does really bad this year. That, wait a minute. Roll that back. I I hope they do lousy. Okay, because I thought you said that you don't hope that they do. No, bad. I do. You no, do. I'm, okay. I'm rooting. I'm the squawk. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I wasn't accusing you of such, but I just you don't were, make our listeners think you I'm weren't. Sorry. You weren't necessarily as clear as you. No, if you KU goes out and wins four or five games this year, is a monster being built on Mount Oriad? I wouldn't go that far, but I wouldn't feel great about it. 
Especially if we only lose, if we only win five. You start getting a little nervous? Yeah, a little. Yeah, I can tell just by the look on your face. They're recruiting pretty well. They are. Well, let's nip this in the bud. And what's interesting is that, um, I forget what it is. I think if they lose ten games this year, then... Yeah, I knew you had a stat on this. That puts them in a hundred losses. In a decade, right? In a decade. So... Pretty rarefied air there. Rarefied air, for sure. I think only one other team in FBS history has ever lost 10 games, in, or has ever lost 100 games in 10 years. I can't remember who it is. I think I know. Who? I believe it's UTEP. I think, yeah, that's exactly right. It, back in the back in the 80s. University of Texas, El Paso. A shame, because that's a proud program. It is. and But folks, while because I know things like that, is, is why they call me the icon. So uh, I think that pretty well wraps it up here for KU and for the entire Big 12 preview here on the short side option. Uh, we've given you, we've ran through all nine teams excluding K-State. But don't you worry, folks. We didn't forget about the Cats. We will be back uh, next week to preview K-State and give our official Big 12 picks for the season as well as a brief look ahead at what the Wildcats will face uh, opening up the 2019 season at home against Nichols. Until then, so long from us here at the Short Side Option.